I was laying in bed the other day, and I don't know, about, about a week ago, God gave me the sermon title for today. And I was laying in bed the other night, and I started thinking of the sermon title. God started dealing with me a few different things. He even told me what scripture. I was like, I know where to find that. So I was excited about that. But then I started thinking about Bethlehem's babe. We're in the love month. I'm thinking, babe, Bethlehem's babe. You know you're going to get it how I get it, so here we go. There's always new sayings coming about that doesn't mean what people are actually saying. Don't you like it when it's simple and straightforward and you can understand it? We was in class yesterday, and I, I went through this. It's called Poetic Books, Introduction to Poetic Books. And, and they had so many. I've never Googled so many words in all my life. Trying to figure, just reading the book. I get in there, and there's a, a professor in there. He's part of, has been part of the Arkansas Symphony Orchestra. He's been uh, the principal at schools, well-educated man. And I'm like, man, this class... I felt like I was, it was a different language. I need somebody sitting with me interpreting. What do you say? Okay, I got it. But that wasn't the way it is. He got up. He said, I like to make things simple. And I was like, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Let him explain what I've been reading. And he did. It was an awesome class. And he, he broke it all down. I'm like, why did we need all that other stuff that I read? Just, just give me the good stuff. I'm going to give you the good stuff today. He just said what he meant to say. Some words we use now for certain things don't mean the same thing as they once did. I find it funny. I talk to my dad all the time, and we may use a terminology or a phrase. He goes, what you say? I say it again. He'll say, well, son, you don't need to say that. And I say, why? I said, it means this, this, this. He goes, well, in my day, it meant this, this, this. I said, oh, no, that's, that's not. And we see that all the time. I got to thinking about that. I was laying in bed, thinking about the different words. I got to thinking about when I grew up in the 80s. I got to think about some 80s slang. How many remember the phrase, grody? That's grody. Grody to the max. That was one of my words. That's gnarly. Party on, yeah. That's bodacious. I know down in Texas they have a bodacious barbecue. I always want to try it just because of the name. It's bodacious. It's got to be good. No duh. It's totally tubular, man. My all-time favorite. Gag me with a spoon. Oh, that's radical. Take a chill pill. That's so rad. For sure. For sure. I could just see my cousin doing that. For sure, man. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. For sure. Most definitely. No can do. It's radical. That's wicked. That's wicked bad. It's righteous. Totally. That's so lame. You're such a spaz. 
I'm telling you, these are words I use. You're such a spaz. Calabunga, dude. That's bogus. You remember any of them? Okay, so we're on the same page. I got to thinking some more, and I said, Just to describe the opposite sex, we'd say things like, no, this is what I wouldn't say. Oh, she's beautiful. Isn't she pretty? Isn't she beautiful? Isn't she lovely? That's not the words I used. We'd say things like, she's so fine. She blows my mind. She's foxy. She's foxy. That's, that's one we used when I was growing up. How about, she's the bomb. Oh, yeah. So, I asked Shelly, I said, what words did you use to describe good-looking guys? And she didn't hesitate. She goes, a hunk. A hunk. I was always called a chunk, and that's like the same thing, right? It's, it's about the same thing. I remember the other term we used to call it. She's a babe. She's a babe. Now she's my 50-year-old babe right over there. Isn't she good looking? And I'm just, I, I, I don't even take my glasses. She's still good looking. She's blurry with the glasses on, I'm just telling you. Babe alert. We'd be at the mall or whatever, and we'd be walking along. Babe alert. Two o'clock. Yeah, yeah. Look at that, babe. But of all the so-called babes we may have seen or met, or thinking, man, I'd love to meet her, meet him. He's a hunk. He's a babe. If I could just meet them, I'd be happy. Happily ever after. We, that's, I mean, that's the, the story. To, I mean, happily after, ever after, we just meet that babe. You can search and look, try to find that perfect mate, that perfect person. Sister Metz, it's so good to have you here today. One of our members has been in Florida snowboarding, and she's back today, and I'm so happy for it. But one of her, my, my favorite phrase, she says, men and women make terrible gods. Men make terrible gods. Women make terrible gods. They're not meant to be gods. They're meant to serve the Almighty God. They're meant to serve Bethlehem's babe. Hallelujah. You'll never find satisfaction that you're looking for until you meet Jesus. There's only one babe that could change my life forever. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. The name that's above all other names. In which every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. It's all about Jesus. It's about Jesus. He was Bethlehem's babe. 
He is the Word. He is the Lamb of God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the Good Shepherd. He is the light of the world. He is the Messiah. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is Bethlehem's babe. God, you called me to preach. I can't see when I'm crying. Gotta help me. Hallelujah. I know we're in the month of February. I said it a minute ago. Next Sunday is Valentine's Day. Valentine Day. Everyone be being extra special to each other. Their spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend. Buying gifts and dinner. Trying to show how much we love and we care for them. We're all looking for someone to love and someone to love us. Can I tell you it's Jesus today? It's Jesus today. It's God. It's God. God so loved you that he gave the greatest gift that's ever been given. You could have called this a Christmas message today. It is. He gave us Jesus. Bethlehem's babe. Shameless plug. Don't forget about the roses. Valentine's Day, you're going to go buy dinner, you're going to buy this, that. Get your flowers here. Tell your friends about it. Come and get it. We can all buy flowers, boxes of chocolate or anything else. We can to show our love for, for our Valentine, but Jesus is the one that wants to show his love, his mercy, his grace towards us. If we just accept him. How many has ever got a Valentine's Day gift and you didn't want it? You didn't take it. I refuse to eat them chocolates. If they got caramel on them, I'm going to eat them. I'm just telling you. I'm not big on chocolates, but if they have caramel on them, I'm going to eat them. I remember one time Shelly bought me a rose. Made me feel like a little bit of a sissy, I'm just going to be honest. But I said, girls don't buy guys roses. She goes, yes, they do. She says... I love you, and this is what I give you. And when she said that, I understood. It wasn't about the rose, which, I'll be honest, I don't care anything about roses. I don't. I don't even like buying them. I don't. They're flowers that's going to sit on our kitchen table and eventually die, and I'm thinking, I could spend 40 bucks a lot better than... Brother Jerry, come on, give me an amen on that. That'll help me. Get in trouble with me. Come on, man. I'd rather just give her the cash. Here, do what you want with this, but I don't want you to buy dead flowers because that's what they are. They're just, they're going to die. She would buy shoes. That's right. But Jesus gives us a gift. God gives us a gift with Jesus. God so loved us that he sent his only son to die the cruelest death imaginable to pay for my sins, your sins, your sins, your sins. He said, well, I don't, I, I'm not a sinner. I'm a good moral person. You were born into a sinful world because of Adam and Eve. I told somebody the other day, that Adam and Eve, yeah, they messed it up. We had a perfect world going here and they messed it up. But God so loved us, he made a way of escape. Jesus left his throne in heaven to 
fulfill his mission on earth. He came to lay down his life. No one took his life. Jesus willfully gave his life to pay the sin cost so that you and I might be free from our sin debt. And of all the places he could have been born, all the places he could have been brought into this world, it was Bethlehem. God chose Bethlehem. Bethlehem was built on the site, uh, the same site where Isaac's wife, Rachel, died. The word Bethlehem means house of bread. Supposedly because the land was so fertile, but Scripture says that Jesus is the bread of life. John 6 and 35 says, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. We're searching. We're looking. I don't even care if you're married. You're still searching and looking. There's a love. There's a spot in your heart that only God can fill. Nothing else will. The drugs won't fill it. The alcohol, the sex. It doesn't matter what you want to put in that place. It won't fill it because God created it there for him to fill. I found out that Bethlehem is in the Arabic means house of meat. And in another article, I seen Bethlehem was called the house of flesh. One commentary said God revealed himself in Bethlehem in the form of Jesus, Bethlehem's babe. Dake's commentary said that Jerusalem was 1,500 feet higher in elevation than Nazareth, which would have made it a difficult journey for Mary. Can you imagine poor Mary? You know, somebody said, well, you know, she probably didn't walk all that way. She probably rode a donkey. Well, when you get nine months pregnant, hop on that donkey and ride 80 miles and see how that feels. You might wish you just walked. Bethlehem was Joseph's hometown. That's, that's where he had to register or enroll. The word tax in those days didn't mean what it means today. How many is excited about April 15th every year? Isn't that the date? April 15th? Yeah, that's right. I'll, I'll just be honest with you. I'll be in trouble without Shelly because she brings me a piece of paper and says, sign this. As a matter of fact, she puts her finger on the spot and won't let me sign somewhere else because I usually just sign somewhere and... She like holds me right there. But it is April 15th. But it's not, it tax doesn't mean the same. It means rather to enroll or take a list of the citizens or their employments and the amount of their property and etc. Equivalent to what was meant by a census. Bethlehem was a small village, about 300 people at the time of Jesus' birth. Of all the places he could have been born, God cho chose Bethlehem, Bethlehem, the bread of life, <laughs> a house of bread. There must have been untold numbers of babies born in Bethlehem at that time, but none of them had the effect on the world that Jesus did. You know what the world needs now more than ever before? Jesus, Jesus. I have a term I use all the time, and I don't, I don't know that it's good or bad. It just it come to me, and I use it. And somebody would tell me about something going on. I said, it's just sin. Yeah, but, yeah, they're doing this, this, this. And I said, it's just sin. We have a solution for sin. Sin, yes. Is it going to keep you from heaven? Absolutely. You're not going to heaven with sin in your heart. 
But you know what? It's a simple solution for God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. That last line of that, so we could all have eternal life. Hallelujah. Brother Burl used to say all the time, I'm a whosoever. I'm a whosoever. Whosoever will may come. Hallelujah. Only his birth met all the qualification to make him a savior. A Messiah, according to the prophecies of his birth. And none of them were born with the responsibility that Isaiah prophesied about this child. He was born of a virgin. Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Everybody knows what that means. God with us. This is God on earth. This is Bethlehem's baby. He's God with us. Jesus said, when you see me, you've seen the Father. God was here on earth with us. Hallelujah. He was to be born in Bethlehem of Judea. He was to come from the tribe of Judah. According to some Bible scholars, his mother was about 13 years of age. 13 years old. Let that sink in a minute. But his father was without age because Bethlehem's babe was begotten of the God, the Father. Before time, hallelujah. Psalms 2 and 7 says, I will declare and decree, the Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten you. His birth had an angelic announcement. Luke chapter 2, verse number 9. And lo, the angels of the Lord came upon them, the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. We all have a need. I mentioned a minute ago, we have a spot here that we're looking for something, searching for something. I heard a song the other day. I used to sit up in my room. And I just, I'll tell off on myself. We was on a, we lived in a seven room bedroom farmhouse when I grew up. I had my own room and I had my drums set up there. It was against the law in my house to play rock music. Because my parents recognized the spirit that come along with it. Guess who was the bad kid? Drew would go ahead and turn on Kiss. Drew would turn on some of these other artists. And the other day, th there's a particular song. Every time I heard it, there was such a deep depression would come over me. I'd play that song on my drums with the music going. The other day, I heard this song again. Couldn't tell you any of the other lyrics. These lyrics is all I know is love hurts. Love hurts. That same spirit of depression, just like that. It hit me again. I'm different now than I was then. God delivered me. He used my parents and their belt. 
when that depression started to come on me, I was like, God, no. You love me. You love me so much that you gave your only begotten son. I don't have to live a life in depression. I don't have to live a life beneath. He wants us to be the head and not the tail. I don't even know why I got off on that. Somebody needed to hear it. The last three years of Jesus' life, three and a half years, is what makes up the four Gospels of your New Testament, your Bible. These books tell of his birth, his life, his crucifixion, the resurrection, the ascension of Bethlehem's babe with the promise of him coming back. He won't be coming back as Bethlehem's babe. He'll be coming back as king of kings and lord of lords. John 14 and 1 said, Let your heart, let not your heart be troubled. You believed in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. <laughs> he loves us so much, he's preparing a mansion for you. He's expecting you. It's up to us. I'm coming up with inventions up here. Glasses with... Uh, no, the, what's the gutters? It'll just come out and like drip to the side then. We need a patent that. I get that on video. It's there now. You know, it's a poor man's patent. It's on video. Hallelujah. When he comes to earth again, it won't be as Bethlehem's babe, but as a ruling king of all the earth. It's easy to think of God as looking at people in their self-centeredness, in their disobedience, in their rebellion, and saying, you know what, I'll break them. Aren't you glad you have a, a loving Savior? If he looked down on me like that, another term we used to use, I'll squish you like a bug. He could squish us like a bug if he looked at us like that. God, thank you for your mercy. I'll discipline them and punish them and scourge them until they come back. I'll make them come back to me. Our text reveals that we have a God who loves us more than we can ever imagine. I find it so amazing that God has enough time to love me when he has the whole rest of the world to love. And he makes time for Greenbrier. He loves me. He loves me. Literal, insignificant, well, me, he loves me. Maybe not literal, but literal me. He loves you. He loves you. He loves me. He loves us even though we're sinners that need to be saved. He even loves those who don't believe he exists. He loves all the atheists of the world. That's hard to believe. But he does. 
He does. Name any kind of sinner out there in the world, and he loves that person. He doesn't love their sin, but he loves the person. Every person in the world can be assured that God's love is for them, is to them. Our human mind will never grasp the love of God. All we can say is the love of God is uncaused, uninfluenced. Wow. Our love is influenced here in our earthly vessels. His love is uninfluenced. You don't do anything that makes him stop loving you. You can't do anything to make him stop loving you. His love is spontaneous. His love is sovereign. Jeremiah 31 and 3, Jehovah has appeared to me from afar saying, Yea, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. His is an everlasting, unending love with no beginning. God had no beginning, so his love had no beginning. All earthly love had a beginning, but God's love reaches back to before the world was, as well as forward to when all the mountains was just dust. God's love is infinite, unlimited, unbounded, and unimaginable. We try to earn things. We try to earn love. There's nothing you can do to earn it. He loves you. My friend wrote a song. He loves you in spite of yourself. In spite of myself, he loves me. In spite of this rebellious nine-year-old sitting up in his room playing kiss songs, his mom and dad not knowing what was going on, sneaking out to the, the old well and getting a pack of cigarettes and lighting one right after another, going to school in third grade and cussing girls and dropping the F-bomb. He loved me in spite of myself. And that's your pastor. Everybody saying, God help us. God help us. The little song sung by children says it best. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Shelly's thinking, I'm glad he didn't sing that. Can I tell you, a sinner may go to hell unsaved, but he cannot go to hell unloved. It's not God's will for man to go to hell. And if you go to hell, you've chose that yourself. And you went to hell loved by a Savior. God so loved us that he sent his son Jesus, Bethlehem's babe. God gave the greatest gift ever when he sent Jesus into the world. Bethlehem's babe was just the start of things to come. I don't know why my life was so important to God. He sent Jesus just for me. My aunt wrote a song that said, I believe he'd do it all over if it was just for me. No one else was left. It was just me. I believe Jesus would go to that cross for me. He would do it for you. He loves all of us so much. That his son made the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. I know how often I failed him. So you wonder, how can you question God's love? You know how often you failed him. You know what your past looks like. I know what my past looks like. I failed to live up to his expectations. Failed to be who he created me to be. Failed to please him with my life. Yet, he loves me. And it's not a love like, I love you, but get out of my life. I can love you from afar. He still, he said he stands at the door and he's knocking. He wants to come in. He wants to, he wants to change you radically. He wants to give you that eternal life. Would you bow your heads with me today?